what's up y'all it's your girl miracle sims and i'm getting ready to tell you all the easiest way to make your own podcast and that's with anchor by spotify friends listen all you got to do is either download the anchor app or go to anchor.fm and they have everything you need in one place you can record edit and they'll even distribute it and the best thing about it is that it's absolutely free so if you're ready to start your new journey today then go ahead and download the app or go to the website anchor.fm just like yours truly Girl Miracle Sims, and you are watching Guys, Sex, and Love. Tonight, we're going to be chatting with a gentleman named Jeff Lamb. He is a psychotherapist as well as an author, and he is all the way over in the UK. So, if you're ready for this conversation, then stay tuned. Welcome back to Guys, Sex, and Love. I am here with Mr. Jeff Lamb. Hello, Mr. Jeff. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Lovely to have you. So you're all the way in London, am I correct? Well, I'm in the southwest of England, but yeah, um, I'm in in the UK. Oh, okay, okay. Well, um, it was so funny because when I was telling my husband I had this interview, he was like, wow, you're international now? I'm like... (laughs) But technically the podcast has already been kind of heard in different places. So it's very interesting since starting this process, like how far we've reached and everything like that. But I want to say with the exception of maybe one other person, you're probably the first person out of the States that I've interviewed. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so yeah. So welcome. Okay. welcome to that You'll tonight. see what that means maybe later on. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so no, I just want to say welcome. Welcome to the guy's sex and love. So Lovely. thank you. So from what I understand, you are a sexpert. Is this correct? That's right. Um, <laughs> you know, to be more precise, I would call myself a psychosexual therapist, which mm-hmm. means I help individuals or and couples who are maybe having problems with their sex lives in whatever way you know, inhibitions, difficulty connecting with each other, difficulty connecting with themselves. Um, yeah, anything anything, and anything in that, in that sort of area is what I deal with. Well, I think that's awesome. I mean, I, obviously, you know, here on Guys, Sex and Love, we have, you know, shy away from the conversation <laughs> of Good. sex. And I think it's very important, especially in the Christian community, that people, you know, I guess tap into the side of themselves as well as get, you know, I guess good solid information and things like that. So obviously, you know, you're someone that's well versed and can share a little knowledge with us today. And so, thank you, thank I hope you so much. Sure. Okay. So, where do we start? <laughs> I know so many, so many places we can start. Well, I know you were saying that you have a book. If you want to, you want to start with that. I well, I have a book um, that's going to be published next uh, month. I think it's going to be available in the States and in uh, the UK 
Um, it's called Sexual Grounding Therapy. I'll say a little bit more about what that is in a minute. Okay. And, uh, and uh, it's published by Routledge. Um, I think that's the publisher over there. I know it's on Amazon um, in the States. Um, so you can get hold of it there if you want to, or read a little bit more about it. I will talk a little bit more about it. But as I, I was saying earlier, uh, one of the things that attracted me to this um, situation, uh, the, the uh, talk show was, that, uh, um, you know, I do write something about the history of the way we've thought about sexuality and how religion has affected that in different ways um, and um, well I guess what I'm talking about is also whether there can be any kind of crossover because often people think about uh, religion um, particularly the sort of patriarchal religions um, as being uh, fairly anti-sex um, and you know I think we have to give that a little bit more of an in-depth thought. Uh, is it totally true? Is it partially true? Are there some Christian beliefs that still are a bit anti-sexual? Or are there other, other people I've talked to have a more liberal attitude? And uh, yeah, where does sex fit in to our lives in general? And I suppose our belief systems in particular, that's something that a lot of people struggle with at the moment. I don't know. Is yeah. Something you're familiar with. <laughs> what, what, what do you mean by this? <laughs> yeah. I think I'm like, are you too young for this conversation actually? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. No, no, well. Well, I'm married, you know, so, and I'm also 35, well, I'll be 35 this year, so I mean, you know, and I think I can talk a little bit about it, you know. I, 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 I hope so, yes. I have a child now and everything, so I, 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 you know, know something about the act at least, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, yes, indeed, yes. Okay. That's not good, but basically, I mean, yeah, I think what you're saying is, is definitely true. There's a lot of, uh, especially when it comes to Christianity and everything, there is this kind of taboo. Sex is a taboo subject, which, you know, honestly was like one of the inspirations for me because, well, one, I don't feel like it should be as taboo as it is. No. Um, you know, and if I'm, a, you know, as a believer, I believe that God created sex. So from, that's another reason as well where I'm like, okay, well, this is something he created. So we shouldn't shy away from the conversation just because it may be... Um, well, I mean, I guess it depends on how you look at it, right? <laughs> Some people may be, you know, embarrassed by it or something like that. But I mean, True. I feel like mm -hmm. it's a natural part of life. And so, yeah, we should have more conversations about it. And so, yeah, I think your book is sounds like it's going to be, uh, you know, very informative and everything like that. So well, I hope so. Yeah, I think uh, that I suppose if you look back at the history, um, particularly um in the kind of the way that Christianity developed in medieval times, for example, um, I, when I was doing my research, I encountered incredible things like there were a lot of days in the year 
when you couldn't have sex. So you couldn't have sex on a saint's day, you couldn't have sex on Friday, you couldn't have sex on Sunday. You know, it was like, there were very few times when it was okay to have sex. I mean, so there were some fairly antiquated beliefs about sex. Oh, well, they were antiquated because they were in medieval times. And I don't know, well, you look at some of the early Christian writers, I think it was for people like uh, Thomas Aquinas, who wrote about sex as, well, if we have to do it, we have to do it to procreate the world. But on the other hand, we shouldn't enjoy it, you know? And this was, you know, and, and so I guess uh, Christianity gets a bad press in that respect. That, you know, um, that, that, that the early fathers of the church, and literally I use that word deliberately, they were uh, guys who were quite scared of their own sexual impulses, and they were particularly scared of women as sexual creatures. And, uh, you know, so you have the whole kind of um, the Madonna and the whore archetypes. So if you like sex, you've got to be a whore. If, you, if you're more pure, then you're a Madonna and you don't like it, or you put up with it in order to have children. And this, you know, it's done all of us, I think, quite a lot of harm, those kind of beliefs. Now, hopefully we're a bit more enlightened now, but some of that is still a hangover in the way that uh, some religious people think about sex. You know, you know. I think that that's the interesting thing. You, you know, you hear so many different types of, um, you know, not just responses or interpretations, but you you hear about like how people sometimes maybe they take their authority or whatever the case is and put something in the Bible, put something in the way they respond to it that wasn't necessarily there for me. I don't recall, like, in, in my reading, and I won't sit here and act like I'm just, you know, obviously I Bible study, try to my, do my best to Bible study every day, especially nowadays, but yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't sit here and act like I'm a scholar, right? But mm-hmm. in my readings, I, you know, I, now there are some things, times where it's mentioned where we shouldn't have sex, but what you said isn't in there, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I, I know, I know. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I, I think, that that's the that's the problem, isn't it? That yeah. obviously there's two things here. One is um, you know how we interpret what's written in the Bible, and actually, if you look particularly specifically at things that Jesus actually said, not he didn't say a lot about sex in general, but he said a lot about relationships. And it all seems fairly sex positive when I think about it. You know, uh, what I've read, I wouldn't call myself any kind of Bible scholar, but I've <laughs> certainly read it. I was brought up in the Christian church in the UK. And I, you know, I was more of a, I was a choral singer. I used to sing in the choir and stuff. So there it was, it was, uh, and I, I still love church music. So, you know, that's my link really, really. But, you know, there was nothing I, sort of saw in what Jesus said about relationships and loving each other, um, which I would see as that contradictory. But I think sometimes the way it's been interpreted has been more to sort of suit certain social attitudes. 
which you find. Um, so, I mean, things like women being subservient to men, for example, is a way that uh, a lot of there, there are ideas that uh, certainly what I mean, I'm quoting this to you and you probably know much more about that stuff that's that uh, St. Paul is supposed to have said. Um, and again, that's I don't think Jesus ever said anything about that. In fact, he had women amongst his community, at least two Marys were part of it. And, you know, uh, he wasn't um, anti-women at all. Uh, as far as I can tell, you know, obviously he was a man of his time and in those days um, um, uh, in uh, where is it in Israel or whatever, you know, or in any country, women were, um, uh, it was a patriarchal society. So, you know, but, uh, you know, we've interpreted what was written down in a way that kind of sometimes um, uh, tends to support what we would see as the status quo rather than actually in a more kind of liberal way. Uh, which can uh, support people in having loving, committed sexual relationships, which is really, I guess, what I'm about as much as anything else, um, you see, which can be fulfilling for everybody, you know, men and women. Yeah, I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I don't again I, I don't believe that there's any again i don't believe that sex should be you know this thing where it's like again shying away from the conversation um you know feeling as if it's taboo or feeling as if this this thing that we shouldn't do because and things like that um again like i said i i am familiar with verses that are like you know that that has some stipulations to it i mean obviously i read one um this morning when i was doing my bible study about like you know how basically uh sexual sin is kind of like sinning you get your own body um and i can kind of see now you know uh some reasons why some of the things are in place of like you know like not fornicating and things like that i can kind of see in my own life how uh some of these things matters at the end of the day, because it's like, okay, well, you know, there are certain times that you have the people and you um, have sex with them. But right now, there is a, a thought process or a narrative that is kind of like, oh, just do whatever. But then we can kind of see consequences of that as well. Like, um, so, I mean, I think there's a balance in the Bible, um, sure. especially conversation of, of sex and, um, mm -hmm. But yeah, for whatever reason, there's there's a lot of people that either try to, you know, use that as an attack or use that as a, uh, or try to put their own, as we say, quote unquote, religious uh, practices on on certain things where it's like, well, yes. that's not what the Bible says, you know. I get but, you. I get you. That's great. I wanted just to pick up on something you said because it really is makes a lot of sense to me when mm -hmm. you talk about. Um, that just um, going, well, do whatever you feel like, you know, um, that gets really um, interpreted in a way that 
I guess I would see as, well, if I use the word irresponsible, I'm not wanting to judge anybody, but mm-hmm. I guess we're all trying to make sense of our own desires, impulses, our, you know, how attractions and what have you. Mm-hmm. And I guess in the past, one of the things, our ways of, um, I guess, managing those, uh, our sexual feelings, desires, impulses, would be to have a series of rules about like, you can do this, you can't do that, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. And that's, you know, I can see how that could be useful, but it ends up often making people feel guilty or making people feel bad about themselves, okay? And so what we're trying to do in the whole, Uh, the way I work with this sexual grounding, one of the things is to consider, okay, I'm feeling like attracted to somebody, I might want to make love with them, but we do have to think about, well, what is the context in which I'm doing that? What is our relationship? And uh, one of the, the, the guy who originated this form of uh, psychosexual therapy is a guy called Willem Papelius. He's a Dutch guy. And he had, talks about something called future perspective. So when you make love to somebody, very basically, there's all sorts of future perspectives. One is a child might result from that. That's, that's inevitable, you know. We are biological creatures. This is how we reproduce. Now, I know these days we have contraception, etc., etc. But mm-hmm. no contraception is 100% foolproof. So, Papelius says, well, we have to think about that. Now, he's not particularly coming from a religious perspective, but it does link with what you're saying. Yes. And it's not a moral, it doesn't have to be a moralistic thing. It can be if that's what's important to you, but it's more like this is a possibility. So, do we have the kind of relationship where if that did happen, it wouldn't be a big problem to us? It might not be ideal, you know, because of all sorts of constraints like money and jobs, security, and all of that, living arrangements. But if we, I mean, one of the things that I say in the book that um, uh, Papalia says, if we make love, every time we make love, and there's the possibility somewhere between us that we could, a baby could result from this, it changes the quality of our love making. So it's twofold. Yeah. Do you get, <laughs> you get where, where I'm coming from here? Okay. You know, I, I'm just, I love everything you're saying here because at the end of the day, that's the thing that I feel like, especially my generation. Uh, I mean, not to be like, you know, it's not your generation, but what I'm saying, like the younger generation, I'll say me and people after me, I feel like the thing is they're not thinking about any of that, what you just said. They're not thinking about consequences. They're not thinking about, you know, any accountability or anything. But then, and then you know, it's like doing whatever and then at the end of the day when there's consequences to the action then they don't want to take responsibility for it or whatever so i mean and that could be about like yes the child the example you gave but then it could be about like diseases that could be about all the different things 
that it's just sex is more than just the act. And um, for whatever reason, the generation after me and, and my generation probably included, we just kind of, you know, it's like, yeah, you don't think about the consequences of things. And then, yeah, down the line, now you're going through life or maybe you're struggling as a single parent or maybe you're dealing with, you know, issues of that you have with that person or whatever the case is. And when at the end of the day, like one of the arguments, and I don't want to mean to get on the abortion conversation, but I had this conversation with another gentleman um, a few episodes back sure. and I uh, was talking about it and everything. And, um, you know, one of the things you hear that people want to defend is be, to be like, oh, well, you know, well, why have, you know, why force a woman to have a child, for example, or why, you know, why would I want to have a child with someone that did X, Y, and Z to me or whatever the case is. But I think the bigger question is like, okay, if you're not willing to have a child with whoever this person is, then why are you having sex with this person? Like, <laughs> you know, did you think about that before you did it or? Okay. So then what we have to, you, 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 there's, there's certainly something yeah, yeah, truthful in what you're saying there. But then we have to look at, well, why would someone do that? So, and this is where we have to look at how we learn about sex and what we learn about sex. Mm -hmm. And most of us don't learn about sex yeah, right there. Because, you know, you as you say, you mentioned earlier that, you know, people, parents particularly, do, do not want to have that conversation, do not want to give their example to their children of how sex is integrated into an adult relationship. And when you don't get that, say as a young child, as a teenager or whatever, then you know, you're constantly, well, first of all, you're adrift really in terms of, well, where, you know, what is sex about? The mm. other thing that's difficult for, for people probably of your generation and also of mine, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, just uh, we knew even less about sex probably than you did because it was even more taboo to talk about it, you know. Um, these days there are lots of sources of information, some good, some bad, but you know, what we don't get is an integrated kind of um, uh, initiation, as it were, into, well, what is sex about? So you can't go to your mum or your dad and say, as a teenager and say, well, this guy fancies me and should I sleep with him or not? Or what does it mean if I do? What does it mean if I don't? And, you know, the difficulty is when we come from what I call a moralistic perspective, which could be religious, it could be from any other angle, then your kids won't talk to you. Because if you say to your, your mum or your dad, I really, really fancy this guy and I, I'm really turned on by him and I want to have sex with him, but is it okay? Can I do it? What does it mean if I, you know, then often there's a condemnation. You shouldn't have those feelings because, you know, it's not right for you to have those feelings and, you know, it's lustful and blah, 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 all of this stuff. So then the next time you don't talk to your parents, it becomes a big sin or big thing that you're not supposed to do. So then you go out and you do it anyway because your parents have kind of discouraged you. 
So this is where it comes from, really. If if parents can advise from a perspective is actually sex is a beautiful thing and fancying somebody is a beautiful thing and it's lovely that you appreciate some guy or some woman's body that you know and that what some all this thing there is about them that's lovely that you makes you want to you know to um have sex and it's lovely what goes on in your body your turned onness is lovely you know it as you said if we want to look at it from a religious perspective god designed this body <laughs> you know that yeah, yeah. Good perspective so you know including the bit that gets turned on you know so right. I, again <laughs> if i kind of dream my way into that you know presumably he had a, he had something in mind when he did that you know so this is this is not in itself sinful bad or whatever it is what it is the question is how do we how do we explore it what do we do with it you know what you know so then if you're a parent you have to say to yourself yes i was a teenager once I had those feelings too. You know, and now I have this lovely relationship with your mom and we express our sexuality and yet tell your kids that you have sex. You know, because otherwise they think, you know, sex is just for young people. <laughs> this is a bizarre thing. I do I've done a few presentations I haven't done any lately but you know in public forums. And what I ask people to do is How is it to think about your parents having sex? For most people it's a real ugh, they don't do that, do they? But and some of that is down to the parents because when parents are so inhibited about letting their children know that actually they are still sexual beings. Right. You know, I'm 69. I still have sex. Hey. My god. <laughs> you know, I love my wife. I love having sex with her. Not as often as I did when I was 25 or 35 or whatever, but you know, you know, because yeah. it's part of our life. And if younger people know that, they don't get so desperate about it. We don't have to do it all at once. You know, we yes. can wait because we've got the whole of our lives to enjoy this. And then it's that that gives them more of a sense of themselves. I loved what you said about the sin is a sin against your body. And I wouldn't use those terms, they're not very kind of familiar to me in therapy, but I would say yeah, it's something where we overstretch ourselves. Mm-hmm. We go beyond what we feel comfortable with. for all sorts of reasons you know mm-hmm. and it can be because people have told us it's bad and sinful which actually makes it more exciting <laughs> Do you know <laughs> i can i can see what you mean by that <laughs> it, it, i mean it doesn't literally but it does because you know if there's that climate of people telling you don't do this don't do that this is bad this you know you're a young person growing up is a contradiction. I have all these things in my body going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And you go through puberty, all of 
the systems, the hormonal system start to develop and you start to be attracted to people, you know? And your body is telling you one thing and people who are in, you know, authority figures in your life are telling you something else. So you've got a big conflict there. <laughs> and that's difficult for kids to handle. Yes, I, I agree. I love everything you're saying, though, because, you know, yeah, I do believe that we talk about it all the time here on GSL, how, how much parenting affects just everybody, right? <laughs> like, Very much so. It's me and, and, and vice to everybody, and it just affects the new generations and everything like that. And so, yeah, you, you're correct. I do believe that parents should let their children know, like, hey, you know, this is something that, you know, this is what I do. In my case, I this is what I do, something we do with your husband or my, my husband, whatever case it is. It's like, and not, yeah, not make it be this, again, taboo thing or this thing where it's like, it's bad. Because I, I can I can't say to me personally, I have felt as if sometimes my, I can say that I, I, I've already confessed here on God since love. Some people already know. Sure. I, I have higher drive than my husband. <laughs> and so okay. sometimes I'm like, oh, my drive is just like, I don't even need it because he doesn't, you know, whatever the case is, or maybe we're not on the same page or whatever. Okay. But, you know, but I understand that, okay, that there's nothing wrong with, you know, but I have had those questions of like, is something wrong with me? Like, why am I not like this? Like, why am I so always, or whatever? And so, um, but yeah, you know, I know that, you know, different people are different or whatever the case is, but it's just, I think it boils down to, again, just being open and honest about what the situation is. And then also open and honest about the consequences. Cause I think that for me, as I grew up, you know, my mom did kind of talk about it. And I remember learning things in school. So for me, knowing about like the consequences of sex, like, you know, the things that can happen, like again, having a child or getting a disease or whatever, um, I just knew I wasn't personally ready for any consequences. So for whatever, you know, for that, as well as my moral compass and everything like that, I, I held on, you know, until well, you yeah, know, yeah. before I made that decision, you know? Um, so again, yeah, I believe having open conversations definitely when you're teens, but honestly, I feel like, you know, you have to have them when they're younger now just because of everything that's going on. But Well, I think you do have to have the conversations I mean, children become aware of themselves, the difference between boys and girls. You become aware of that maybe four, five, six years old. You start to notice I, what I've got is different from what little girls have got, or mm -hmm. mommy's different from daddy, you know? Yeah. And yeah. if that conversation, that's a different conversation, but that needs to be had as well. Mm -hmm. And isn't it great that we're different? And isn't it great that we have those bits of our body that, yeah, of course we don't normally go around displaying them, but in the home, you know, you see those things, you see your sister in the bath or whatever, and you see she's different from you. And and that's, again, something to be celebrated. Right. Rather than, and, and you know, and whatever. All of these things. The thing is that what we, we talk about, the concept that we talk about in sexual grounding is a concept called regulation. Mm. And I guess it's, for me, it's very different from control. If someone tells you something's bad and you shouldn't do it, they're trying to control you, okay? If your mum says to you, okay, you 
go to her in this conversation I was thinking about earlier and you say, oh, I met this boy and, you know, I'm, I have these feelings and, you know, what's this about? What does it mean? Did you have those feelings? And she says, well, it's great that you're having those feelings because that's part of a natural process. But it's great that you came to talk to me because maybe you have to think about, well, you know, if you take the feelings further, is that really what you want? And you're not telling her there's anything bad or sinful or that, that she shouldn't do, but you're telling her, yes, your body is wonderful. It's similar to my body, uh, if, you, if you're the mother. And, yeah. and, and I have those feelings, and so it's natural that you would have them. And, you know, in a, in a, in a committed, in a relationship, those feelings are what can cement the relationship, can bring you closer together and can can be i don't know a source of great joy and pleasure you know and uh, so it, it, there's no stage at which you have to say if you do that it is wrong and you'll go to hell or whatever it is um i am sorry i have a problem with that but you know there's a difference but but it's more like you if you do that you're not you're go, as I say, you're going beyond what your body actually wants to do. Bodies are excited by different things, like food, by uh, excitement, doing dangerous things. But, you know, I don't know, climbing trees or uh, things that kids get up to, you know. Right. And, and that's, and that, and that's all, all well and good. But in, in any other form of activity, it's a question of, well, you know, what is what is what feels good to you, what you actually feel good about yourself doing, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not, the, it's, you know, we don't have to make people feel, I don't know, less than or bad. This, this is where I'm coming from, mm -hmm. um, but, you know, it, 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 that we're saying the same things we have to you know um as, as i say when you are in a relationship with somebody and you have sex with somebody it's not uh, you know it doesn't exist in a vacuum you know mm -hmm. the trouble is we kind of behave as though it does sometimes <laughs> you know that's yeah, you know it's it, it <laughs> It exists within a relationship, it exists in a context, it exists in a, in a societal context, and it, it, it has a, a profound effect on us. Not, you know, I guess, in, not just about, you know, obviously producing a child is one thing, obviously the risks of infection, there's things we have to think about these days. Probably more than I'm, I'm from the pre-age generation. I have to say, you know, we didn't have to think about that so much. But there were, you know, STIs, uh, you know, still in those days. So we had to think about things like that. Well, Anyhow, so I hope that gives you some idea of uh, what I'm, uh, what my book is about. There, there are a lot. It, there's a whole book there, and I've kind of touched on just different little bits of it. The mm -hmm. history. And also, the, where sex lives, I think, for me, it's in the context of relationship, whatever the nature of that relationship might be. Um, sex is something that's uh, potentially a fulfilling 
joyful part of all of us and that uh, this is what I hope the people I work with are able to discover and I could kind of guide them in that a little bit you know to to discovering um, which is as you say at the moment the climate is um, that we have a lot of information around about sex mm -hmm. and you know there are there is a lot of information on the sort of things that you talked about the, the sort of you know protection against diseases and the consequences of having children and what have you but somehow or other we don't do the things we need to do in order to look after ourselves and our partners and we have to think about that. Why, why, why are we not? Now, one, uh, you know, way, the way I'm looking at that is that we actually lose touch with ourselves. I would say kind of, I could, would call it our deeper selves, you know, again, you could say our spiritual selves if you want, and that makes some sense. I can connect with that. But okay. the, so we are more acting out stuff mm. that um we've that we've um learned i guess in in our upbringing i would say this is the way i think it happens mm -hmm. so um sometimes we do use sex um if we're not feeling confident in ourselves our value our mm if you like, attractiveness, but certainly our value, we talk a lot about self-esteem, if they've got low self-esteem or something like that, we might end up having sex. So if this person wants to have sex with me, then I must be all right. <laughs> yes, I totally understand what you said. Like, honestly, you got me thinking because, yeah, it's like we think that we're invincible until we realize that we're not. I think this, uh, that's an interesting way to, to, to phrase it. The, uh, the, the reality of sex is that the way I'm looking at it, the only way to have, I would say, connected sex, intimate sex, open-hearted sex, whatever, is you have to feel all right anyway. You have to feel okay about yourself. Yeah. So you're not, when you're having sex, you're not trying to prove anything. Either by the, just the sheer act of having it, and also in how you have it, you know. So, you know, a lot of people I come across have what I call unconnected sex. So the sex is about proving something. Like for a guy, it's like I'm a virile guy, I can do it with lots of women or for women it's more about well I must be attractive because he wants to have sex with me and you know or I don't know I'm not so familiar with how it is for women not being one but you know but, what do you mean? Totally understand. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and in a way those are while, while, while we're busy with that where does our partner go in that how can we connect with our partner if I'm thinking like as a guy well I must keep it up for a long time so that she has an orgasm and then I'm going to prove what a stud I am. That's all about me and my ego. It's nothing to do with my female partner at all. 
And I, I, guys are really surprised when I tell them that actually women don't like this. You know, they might manage to have an orgasm, but they don't feel connected to the guy they're having sex with. And for uh, women are wiser than us in some ways. They have a feeling that they, if they don't feel connected, I would say at a heart level, then the sex is not so good. I don't know, does that make sense to you? Yes, it, it makes a lot of sense. And um, and that's the thing. Um, so yeah, beyond asking the questions of like, well, why would I do this if I don't want, say for example, the consequences of sex. If I don't want the consequences of sex with that particular person, then why would I do it? But even so, with what you just said, it's like, again, if I'm not comfortable leaving it myself, or and then I'm not connected to this person, that's another reason for us to kind of, like I said, tackle this whole conversation of sex because it's like, like you said, it's it's just become this thing where people just do, you know, it's become this thing where it's not there's no connection, hardly, mm-hmm. and um. And I think that's where some of the problems come in because it's like, again, so you're not thinking about the future, right? And then you're not thinking about the moment either. <laughs> you know? So what are you thinking about? You're thinking about, well, how do I look? How, how do I, how am I performing? You know, huh? um, how can I make myself feel better? Or how can I make myself feel attractive or virile or whatever? I'm just aware of time here. I think I need to round this up a little bit. I don't know about you, um, because I've got somebody to see at two o'clock. But, uh, so how can, I, I don't know how the best way to summarize what we've said so far. I hope it's making sense to you. And, yes, a lot of sense to me. I appreciate you taking out the time again to uh, chat about your book and yourself. Is there anywhere that people can reach you or? They can reach me on, um, if you look at the emails I sent to you, my website is on there. And yeah, okay. uh, I don't know whether you can bring that up. Yeah, we'll put that there too. Mm-hmm. That can be, that's the best way to, to reach me. Um, I will send you a link to my book as well after this is finished um as this uh i as i say it's on amazon.com in in the states if you just look up sexual grounding therapy it comes up so but i'll send you a link to the publisher so you can see how to get it direct from the publisher and i think it is being brought out on both sides of the atlantic on the same day so okay been a pleasure talking to you Yes, sir. Nice talking to you, too. And congratulations on your book. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. so much for watching God, Sex, and Love, and thank you to Mr. Jeff Lamb for the conversation this evening. Good night.
If you like what you hear, then consider supporting our podcast. Every listener that supports us for $9.99 a month will be entered into our monthly raffle for a chance to win a free gift. So become a supporter today.